Section 29 of The Critique of Dogmatic Theology and Investigation of the Christian Teaching by Leo Tolstoy. Translated by Leo Weiner. Chapter 18. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Wayne Cook. Conclusion. So, there it is, the whole disclosure of the divinely revealed truths. They have all been disclosed. There is nothing else left. It is not permitted to understand them in any other way. He who understands them differently, anathema. A man asks what this world is in which he finds himself. He asks what the meaning of his existence is, and what he is to be guided by in that freedom which he feels within himself. He asks all that, and God, through the lips of the church, established by him, replies to him, Do you want to know what this world is? Here it is. There is a God, one, omniscient, all-good, almighty. This God is a simple spirit, but he has will and reason. This God is one, and yet three. The Father begot the Son, and the Son sits in the flesh at the right hand of his Father. The Spirit emanates from the Father. All three of them are gods, and they are all different and all one. This trine God has existed eternally, one in three, and suddenly it occurred to him to create the world, and to create it from nothing with his thought, will, and word. At first he created the spiritual world, the angels. The angels were created good, and God created them solely for their own good, but being created good, these beings suddenly of their own will became bad. Some angels remained good, while others became bad and were turned into devils. God created a very large number of angels and divided them into nine orders and three classes. Angels, archangels, cherubim, seraphim, powers, dominions, beginnings, principalities, and thrones. Devils are also divided into categories, but the names of these categories are not precisely known. Then much time passed and God began to create a new and made the material world. He made it in six days. By day is to be understood the turning of the earth about its axis, and there was morning and evening the very first day. If during those first days there was no sun, God himself shook the illuminating matter so that there might be morning and evening. God made six days. On the sixth day he made Adam, the first man, out of earth, and blew the soul into him. Then he made woman. Man is made out of soul and body. The destination of man is to remain true to the power of God. Man was created good and absolutely perfect. His whole duty lay in this, that he should not eat the forbidden apple. And God not only had created him perfect, but also aided him in every way possible, teaching, amusing, and visiting him in the garden. But Adam, nonetheless, ate the forbidden apple, and for that the good God wreaked revenge 
on adam and drove him out of the garden cursing him the whole earth and all the descendants of adam all that is not to be understood in any transferred but in a direct sense is having actually occurred after that god the same god in three persons the omniscient all good almighty god who had created adam and cursed him and all his posterity still continued to provide that is to care for their good for adam for his descendants and for all the creatures which he had made he preserves the creatures cooperates with them and rules over them all and over each in particular god rules over the bad and good angels and over the bad and good men the angels help god to rule the world there are angels who are attached to kingdoms to nations and to men an omniscient almighty and all good god who has created them all cast down forever legions of evil angels and all men after adam but has not ceased caring for them in a natural and even in a supernatural manner this supernatural manner of his care consists in this that when five thousand years had passed he found a means for paying himself for adam's sin whom he himself had made such as he was this means consisted in this that among the persons of the trinity one is the son he that person has always been the son so this son issued from a virgin without impairing her virginity he entered into the virgin mary as her husband the holy ghost and came out as a son jesus christ and this son was called jesus and he was god and man and a person of the trinity this god man has saved men this is the way he saved them he was a prophet a high priest and a king as a prophet he gave them a new law as a high priest he sacrificed himself by dying on the cross and as a king he performed miracles and went down into hell led out from it all the righteous and destroyed sin and the curse and the death in men but this means however strong it was did not save all men legions and legions of devils remained devils and men must not know how to take advantage of that salvation in order to take advantage of this means a man must become sanctified but only the church may sanctify and the church is all those people who say about themselves that certain men have laid their hands on them men upon whom other men have laid their hands and so forth upon whom hands were laid by the disciples of the god jesus himself upon whom hands were laid by god the son the savior himself when god himself laid his hands upon them he blew and with that blowing he gave to them and to those to whom they would transmit it the power to sanctify men and that very sanctification is necessary in order to be saved what sanctifies man and saves him is grace that means the divine power which in a certain form is transmitted by the church in order that this grace should be efficacious it is necessary for the man who wishes to be sanctified to believe that he is being sanctified he may not even believe entirely 
he must obey the church and above all not contradict and then grace will pass into him in his life a man who is sanctified by grace must not believe as he has believed before he must believe that if he does good he does so because grace is operating in him and so the only care he must have is that grace shall be in him this grace is transmitted by the church by various manipulations and by the pronunciation of certain words which are called sacraments there are seven such manipulations one baptism when the hierarch of the church has bathed the person in the proper way that person becomes cleansed from sin above all from adam's original sin so if an unbathed infant dies it will perish as being filled with sin two if he anoints that person with oil the holy ghost enters into him three if the person eats bread and wine under certain conditions and with the conviction that he is eating the body and blood of god he becomes pure from sin and receives everlasting life parentheses in general there is a lot of grace about this sacrament and as soon and as quickly as possible after it has been performed a person must pray and then the prayer will be heard according to the grace and parentheses four when the priest has listened to that person's sin he will say certain words and the sins are gone five when seven popes anoint a person with oil his bodily and spiritual diseases will be cured six when the wreaths are put on the bridal pair the gift of the holy ghost will enter them seven when the hands are laid on the holy ghost will enter baptism unction with chrism repentance communion sanctify man and sanctify him forever independently of the spiritual condition of the priest and of him who receives the sacrament if only everything is in proper order and there is no cause for cassation in these manipulations lies the means for salvation which god has invented he who believes that he is sanctified and purified and will receive eternal life is actually sanctified and purified and will receive eternal life all those who believe in that will receive their retribution at first a private retribution soon after death and later a general one after the end of the world the private retribution will consist in this that they will be glorified in heaven and on earth on earth their relics and images will be honored with incense and tapers and in heaven they will be with christ in glory but before attaining that they will pass through aerial spaces where they will be stopped and questioned by angels and devils who will contend with each other on their account and those for whom the defense of the angel shall be stronger than the accusation of the devils will go to paradise and those whom the devils shall win will go to eternal torment into hell the righteous those who will go to paradise will there settle in various places and those who shall be nearer to the trinity may be there in heaven pray for us to god and so we must here worship their relics their garments and their images 
these objects do miracles and it is necessary to pray to god near these objects and then the saints will intercede for us before god the sinners all the heretics the unbaptized the unbelievers those who have not received their communion will go to hell but they will be there in different places according to the degree of their guilt and there they will be to the end of the world the prayers of the priests especially such as will be said immediately after the eucharist may alleviate their condition in hell but there will be an end of the world and a general judgment the end of the world will be like this one person of the trinity god jesus who sits in the flesh in heaven on the right side of his father will come down upon earth in a cloud in the form of a man such as he had when he was upon earth angels will blow trumpets and all the dead will arise in their various bodies but the bodies will be a little changed then all the angels all the devils all men will assemble and christ will judge and will separate the righteous to the right they will go to heaven with the angels and the sinners he will put on the left they will go with the devils to hell and there they will be tormented with greater torments than burning these torments will be everlasting but all the righteous will eternally glorify the good god to my question as to what sense my life will have in this life the answer will be as follows god by his arbitrary will created a strange world a wild god half man half monster created the world as he wanted it and he kept saying that it was good that everything was good that man was good but it all turned out bad man fell under a curse and his whole posterity was cursed but god continued to make men in the wombs of their mothers though he knew that all of them or many would perish after he had invented a means for saving them everything was as of old and even worse because while as the church says men like abraham and jacob could save themselves by their good lives i am now certainly going to perish if i was born a jew or a buddhist and accidentally do not come in contact with the sanctifying action of the church and i shall be eternally tormented by the devils more than that if i am among the number of the fortunate but have the misfortune to regard the demands of my reason as legitimate and do not renounce them in order to believe the church i perish just the same more than that even if i believe everything but have not had time to receive the last sacrament and my relatives absent-mindedly forget to pray for me i shall just as much go to hell and remain there according to this teaching the meaning of my life is an absolute absurdity much worse than what presented itself to me by the light of my reason then i saw that i was living and was enjoying life so long as i was living and that when i died i should not feel anything then i was frightened by the meaninglessness of my own life and by the insolubility of the question what are my strivings my life for since all that will end but now it is much worse all that will not end but that absurdity somebody's arbitrary will lasts forever 
To the question as to how I should live, the answer of this teaching directly denies everything which my moral feeling demands, and demands that which has always appeared as the most immoral thing to me, hypocrisy. From all the moral applications of the dogmas there results but this, save yourself by faith. You cannot understand what you are commanded to believe. Say that you believe. Crush out with all the powers of your soul the necessity of light and truth. Say that you believe, and do what results from faith. The matter is clear. In spite of all the statements that good works are for some reason necessary, and that it is necessary to follow the teachings of Christ about love, humility, and self-renunciation, it is evident that those works are not needed, and that the practice of life for all the believers confirms that. Logic is inexorable. What is the use of works when I am redeemed by God's death, when even all my future sins are redeemed, and when it is necessary only to believe? And how can I struggle and strive after the good, in which alone I formerly understood good works to consist, when the main dogma of faith is this, that man cannot do anything by himself, and everything is given gratis by grace. All that is necessary is to look for grace. But grace is not obtained by me alone. It is imparted to me by others. Even if I do not succeed in sanctifying myself with grace during my lifetime, there are means for making use of it even after my death. I can leave money to the church and they will pray for me. All that is asked of me is that I should try to find grace. Grace is given by sacraments and by the prayers of the church. Consequently, I must have recourse to them and put myself in such a state that I may never be deprived of them. I must have popes around me or live near a monastery and leave as much money as possible for memorial masses. More than that, having thus secured my future life, I may calmly enjoy this life, and for this life make use of the instruments given to me by the church, praying to God the provider to aid me in my earthly works, for I am told in what manner these prayers will be most efficacious. It is most efficacious to pray near images and relics during the liturgy, and the answer to the question of what I should do results directly from the teaching. This answer is too familiar to everybody and too coarsely contradicts conscience, but it is inevitable. I remember when I did not yet doubt the teaching of the church, I read the words of the gospel, Blasphemy against the Son of Man shall be forgiven you, but blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven you, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. And I could not understand those words. But now those words are only too terribly apparent to me. Here is that blasphemy against the Holy Ghost, which will not be forgiven, either in this world or in the world to come. That blasphemy is the terrible teaching of the church, the foundation of which is the teaching about the church. End of section 18